Hello and welcome to episode 164 of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. How do they do that? They get around the mics each week to talk about movies and films. I'm your host, Aaron, and I'm joined each and every week by my best buddy, James. Good day, sir. And today is no exception. Another podcast on the quest to find the greatest of all time. Maybe, maybe we'll find it this week and then maybe this is the last episode. Maybe this is the episode. Maybe this is the one. This is is this the one? No. No. It's not the one. Probably not. No. But we'll keep going until we find the one. Yeah, exactly. And then sometimes, you know, along the way, mate, you you find some bad films, some terrible films, ones that aren't fit for the purpose, one that should not be seen by the human eyes. They're not for human consumption. So we throw them away, cast them away to a fiery pit where nothing returns. So good ones go in the sorry room, I see Vault, the safe haven for the greatest movies of all time. In there you'll find things like Toy Story and Jurassic Park and Do you know what? As soon as you said that, I was thinking Jurassic Park. When you went to Toy Story, it was like Jurassic Park. The films, the films, the big mate. ones, the big Lebowski, Die Hard, the, the Revenant. Oh yeah, mate. And then Kubo and the Two Strings, Coco. Loads of animation in there. There's too much animation. Is said no one. That's right. <laughs> a joke from the early nights. <laughs> and then bad movies go in the piss. So that's what we do each week. Get around the mics. We take it on different movie topics and themes. So if this is your first time, why stop here? Why stop at just this podcast when it's done? 163 plus a few bonus episodes to go. Yeah. You know, Mel Gibson got his own bonus episode. Yeah, he did. Go figure. Yeah, because why not? Why well, not? Be- because of the reasons. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we have loads of other shows to go and check out. Each week, a new theme. This week, well, actually, no. Last week, we did uh, food and movies. Kind of Neither. tried to make the link between the two. It was very difficult, but we've done... We actually did TV shows recently as well. Top five TV shows. We broke the mould of the podcast a little bit. We've done directors. We've done actors. We've done special events and special themes. Quick question. Do you do you find yourself second-guessing your top five? No, I know what I'm about, son. I know oh, what I'm about. I do. I feel like... And I did send this to a text before that episode. I found that really difficult to like not have the X-Files in it because I think the X-Files is the, like the grandfather of what we call modern television. Really hurt not putting True Detective in there. Mm. Um, ER, obviously, and I'm a huge fan of ER. One day I'll actually finish watching it. <laughs> I, I, I think the, the real take-home message from that episode was that there is so much great TV as well as like the big screen, the small screen has so much amazing talent in there. I mean, it was, it was, a, it was an absolute like love fest of over yeah. 80 TV shows in that episode. Yeah. Top five is difficult and I probably will write it at some point, but it wasn't, it wasn't the top five greatest. It was my personal yeah, favorite, exactly. you know, true detective, I crowned number one and I'm not going to lie. That second season has a lot of issues, more issues than qualities, but season one and three are brilliant. Yeah. It's just like 24 because it should have made, it should have been worthy of a mention. It's just, I like going back to our mm. old episode and thinking that, like so, for example, I listened back to last week, and I was thinking, why? Why did we do it? <laughs> Clearly, didn't work. They're not all good. We winners, James. They're not. But do you know what? We tried. I nearly called that episode. Everyone's got a death note, <laughs> which is like our slogan. But I didn't want people then to download the episode thinking it was about the movie Death Note. And yeah. can you remember when we did the Gerald Butler episode? All right, that's all I'm saying. We got a lot of hate mail from Gerald Butler fans because it took a whole 14 minutes before we talked about Gerald Butler that's on our on our own free podcast. <laughs> That's what happens when I'm not in the episode, mate. Oh, you weren't in that one? Yeah, you did on your own. The Gerald Butler fan club got hold of us, mate. I Big know. time. I know, mate. I saw, saw the emails. <laughs> they, they, they got their 45-year-old Karen talons into us really bad. But um, no, this week is a really good one because what we said this week was to go away, bring free movies at least to the table. And the rules this week on the quest to find the greatest movies of all time was to use random selection processes on streaming sites and services. So Netflix, for example, have a randomizer now. 
Yeah, they do now, which I didn't realise till after. So I use a website called uh, Netflix UK Randomizer, mm. and you put in like certain things, like any genres you want, and it spits out nine. And, and you and I picked my three. I picked three from that. I've also done some other films, but because I hadn't seen them before, I wanted to watch them. So there'll be loads of film talk in this episode. If you do like it, uh, don't forget to download, subscribe, get a new episode each and every week. And if you do like the show, give us a review because it really does help. It helps us climb the ranks. It helps us be on the radar of more people and potential podcast listeners. And, you know, it's just a good hobby, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's nice to be... It's nice to be noticed and it's it's nice to do it to show that you like us as well. And we've not dropped the ball. We have not not released an episode in 163 weeks. I know. Which is amazing. And we've had like some like, you know, I don't know what to say, close close calls, you know, like equipment mm. go down. The biggest one being the Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. Or the episode that you and I had recently where you just wouldn't record. We, <laughs> it just wouldn't. Just... We've survived technology problems. We've survived uh, lockdowns and COVID. We've found ways around that. We've survived you know things like me having a kid and still getting a podcast out that week yeah, exactly. so you know there's no excuse really the biggest problem is having to watch so many films which isn't really a problem it isn't really a problem especially when you love films like we do movie yeah. it's a movie podcast by fans for fans mate four fans by five fans four fans yeah exactly so how have you been right. this week good yeah tired but um to be expected yeah, but it got on with some films, which was good. I like you. I I didn't know about like these websites, but I did use the Netflix random generator for for one of my movies, and then the other two, uh, one was on Netflix and one was on Now TV. And so my other methods were closing my eyes and just you know scrolling and pre- and stopping, and then yeah. that was the one I was going to go with. And then the other one was um, my kid Primrose has started screaming now. It's like a new thing. Okay. And so I was just flicking through until she stopped screaming. And the moment she stopped, I landed on that. And I can tell you, two of my movies are from this year, 2021, and one is from 1994. Okay, that's not... Narrows it down. I don't, I don't even think I wrote the years down. But before we talk talking about that, mm. I went to the cinema this week. Oh. I went to the cinema twice this week. Do you know what? This is the way you... So you won't hear this. And, you know, spoilers, but the week the week after this, we've got something big kind of planned. Mm. But um, I've got a question for you. And as I was sat in the Sunday night with my friend Esther watching the TV, watching the cinema, and a trailer came on. And the biggest question I had, I thought maybe you'd be able to answer that, is, is what trailer will we constantly see when Bond's actually released? Because <laughs> I'm going Spider-Man, probably. <laughs> Yeah, it's got it. Spider Man's the next big and surely. Yeah. You've been to the cinema recently. They've they've updated the trailer for Bond. It's going, it now says this time it's real or something. It's, like, it's finally coming. And it actually is. <laughs> <laughs> the hype on this one is big now, isn't it? It's, I, do you want know the uh, so midnight screening? Three screens showing it. I think I think they're putting a lot. A lot of people are putting a lot of their eggs in this basket about this being the one that launches uh, the cinema goers back. So this is the uh, the tenant of this year. Yeah, but hopefully will actually be the tenant. The, the Bond, I think for as long as you and I are alive and on this planet, Bond will always create this hysteria of, it's a big like British movie. It's a British icon. It's a character that I think everyone wants to evolve, but somehow never does. And we always kind of get the same thing, but we're kind of all right with it. I completely agree with that. I think if, if you ask a British person, you know, there's three things they care about. It's, it's Marmite. Does it belong, you know, yes or no? Um, it's what, how strong do you like your tea? Mm. And then the number third, who's playing Bond? It's the only three things we give a shit about. It's true. <laughs> we, don't, we, we don't care about anything else. Royal family, yeah, they're all right. Who's playing Bond? 
Who's playing Bond? It's, people love it, don't they? They get right behind Wait, it. Daniel Craig as Bond met the Queen for the opening ceremony of the British Olympics, London Olympics. I remember thinking that might be the most British thing ever. The mm. only way it could be more British is if Mr Bean ate toast in the corner of the screen. It's the only way it could have been more British. Well, didn't, no, did Mr Bean did the Chariots of Fire sequence, he did didn't it, he? Ron, but, Ron he Atkinson. but that's what I mean. So he was still there. So he was still did, in a giant cup of tea. <laughs> didn't David Beckham then come out of a... Red bus kicking footballs. Well, that's pretty British. I, you know what? My my problem with that is that's too British. That's too British. <laughs> that's too too British. much. Too much. No, uh, yeah, Bond, Bond's a big... The, the UK gets like swept up in the hysteria of it. Whether it, you know, be who's going to do the soundtrack, who's going to be the next Bond, who's going to be the villain, you know, is it going to be a well, standalone whoever, continuation? Whoever, is he going to die? Whoever won the Oscar last year. <laughs> that's who it is. It's Remy Malik's turn now. So who won it last year? Oh, was that... Yeah, yeah. Cause Javi Bardem... Mads Mikkelsen yeah and whoever was in Solace <laughs> it was oh I can't remember Solace but obviously the big one being um, oh the German actor not, Christoph Waltz Christoph Waltz yeah. as well so, so there's big yeah. names right? like, so you know looking forward to being Jeff Bridges <laughs> that would be awesome Bridges would be cool Jeff, Jeff Bridges would be cool but then he's camped it up with Iron Man and he when Iron Man won I suppose he started all that didn't he he did but you know he did alright anyway I went to the cinema I watched The Exorcist mmm that was great. I, I was, I've always wanted to see, it's one of those, everyone's got a golden list of films they'd love to see on the big screen. I don't know if you remember, but one of ours was Die Hard for the mm. 25th anniversary, you, me, Kareem, and I can't remember who else. We all went to the cinema to go see that. That was brilliant. I think it was your birthday or something. I remember buying tickets mm. for that and that being awesome. The Exorcist has always been on there. I sat down and was having so much fun. 20 minutes into it, I was, I was thinking, I'm sure I did this last year. I, 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 I think I've seen it. So I need some sort of podcast person who listens to me. to actually go back in the past and go, yeah, you have, you mentioned it in an episode. Anyway, do you know what I love about The Exorcist? It's something you talk about as well. It works on so many layers. Yeah. Like, I never... Well, I was watching it this time from the other perspective because I believe it might have been you or someone else I was telling me was talking about the two-arc storyline. Mm. Um, two-arc storyline is that if you if you ignore something like 2% of the first 60% of the film, you can actually come from it that Reagan's faking it. Because the scene, there's a scene when it war before starts is that her mom's talking on the phone to her dad screaming, why aren't you there for your kid? And she's looking full on, implying that she'll do something to get their attention fake her, fake this. You know, she's seen as a mischievous child. There's so many layers to the story that until basically the exorcist comes, the exorcist obviously isn't isn't Reagan or the devil. It's Max von Stone's character. He mm. is the exorcist and he doesn't appear, well, he appears at the beginning, but he doesn't appear till the third act. It's, it's a completely different film that you're watching it. Um, everything that supernatural can be explained somehow. Don't get me wrong, you, they, there's leaps of faith, but the idea that it's not actually... An exorcism. It could be little girls cry for attention, but then you get the scenes like "Help me" written on the stomach, and then that's when it does change. However, I really like the idea that with a few tweaks, you could tell a completely different story, yeah. and I really love that. I think that's great. And also, I was watching it. The horror isn't about a little girl being taken over by the devil. I find the horror now, as I get older, is the fact that the mother of Reagan is ignored, mm. and also there's this brilliant thing where they treat psychiatry, which us now in this century. You know, psychiatry, is a, psychiatry is a common thing, isn't it? It's treated like witchcraft. Up there with religion, like your choices are go see a psychiatrist or get an exorcism. And they go, go get an exorcism. <laughs> yeah. So many layers to this film that I actually thought was brilliant. I, do you know what I forgot? I fell in love just before October. I know it's, it's, I'm, I'm gassing all over the greatness that was the exorcist again. But do you know what? It was a really good experience in the cinema. I don't know why it was out. I don't know. I don't think it was an anniversary screening. They didn't say anything like that. It was the director's cut, so it was a bit longer. But do you know what? It was brilliant. Got a question for you. Mm. <laughs> Did I have a giggle to myself at the end of the film? You know, there's a cop in it for no real reason. Mm. You're that cop. You go to the house. You hear a scream. You run up the stairs. There's a bed 
with straps on it. There's a girl crying in the corner. There's a dead old priest in one on the other side, and another priest has jumped out the window. As a cop, what the f- you're like, what is it? There is what? There is quite clearly some weird sex thing going on here. And I just wanted it. I just want like, please get in touch. Just what is that? The first thing that cop says when he walks into that room, just like, what the f- <laughs> just, just, just walks in. Not again. <laughs> But I was sat there just laughing in the cinema to myself. It was a really horrible moment. But I was just like, what What do you say? What does the report say? Well, one of them was dead. Do you, <laughs> one was dead. Kid in the corner crying. Do you know, do you know when you're saying like, <laughs> you're saying, oh, all, all of this can be explained, you know, or, or could be, you know, a, a little girl craving attention yeah, or whatever. Yeah, I know, I know it's not. But no, but, but it, like then I got images of like it being a, an episode of Jonathan Creek. <laughs> And like just Alan Davis coming in at the end and just bumbling away, be like, hmm, yeah. You know, it could have been levitated or it could be this pulley system. <laughs> and who's who's the real villain here? Pulls off the fucking vicar's head. He's like, oh, it's the dad, the absent father. <gasps> Mate, why are we, why are the BBC funding this? Yeah. The exorcist versus Jonathan. The, vi- the vicar, the priest, sorry. The vicar, the vicar's head. Well, yeah. there's, there's, a, there's a bit as well that, that I always missed out on was, you're more of a boxer. You see him boxing, but then the idea is that he used to be a boxer and now he's a priest and a psychiatrist. I love it that when like religion fails at the end of the film, he just beats the devil off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just goes, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Go back to what you know, mate. I, I like, I like the exist. I, I really, I'd really want to watch it in like a 4D experience. Like, yeah. Can you imagine if the temperature of the room just dropped the more oh. into the film it got and, you know, like the, the kind of vomit scenes, you got that, like that air can, you know, with some of the seats where they, yeah. they, they emit like air or water or whatever. I wouldn't want it to take me out of the movie. It's a subtle 4D kind yeah. of experience would be epic with The Exorcist. No, that would be fantastic. Like if you think about every time they go into the room, the air con, which would be another thing when the cop comes, he just turns the air con on. And yeah. Everyone's like, no, but, but what a great viewing experience. And do you know what? Sunday night was fabulous. And I got really into the movie. You know, this is a 70s film. It was still relevant today. It made me feel great. Me, I was, was grand. So Monday, you know, my friend was still over. In a few weeks, I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's a pretty big film coming out called Doom. Mm, and there's I've a lot, heard. And a lot of people talking about it. So I watched the original. Mm. What a bag of shit. <laughs> right? I love, I love sci-fi. I absolutely love it. This one has got a, it's kind of like got a, what do you call it? An aristocrat. It's got royals in it. It's got dukes. There's an emperor of the known universe. He's pretty badass. You know, he's taking orders from like a secret shady, well, let's just say, unknown shadow council and they just want the spice mm. and you know David Lynch is a fantastic director you, you mix it all together mate you Patrick Stewart blue giant sandworms a, a story that's epic you know it's like an opera it's like Dostoevsky in space it's got everything that I would want it's so fucking boring and nothing happens and it, it the worst part about it is the characters have narration and they all speak like this mm. it's all about the spice and they're always thinking really stupid things like Max von Snowden. So back to back, Max von Snowden. He's just like, why does he, why does this guy care about his men? Thanks for that three seconds of stuff that I know, or you could have shown in a two second glance. Mm. It's just horse. I am actually a really big fan of this idea. So that if a remake is coming out, show the original, because it's got me more interested in the remake. Cause I'm like, you have a lot of fun with this. I know they're going to change the storyline a bit. And so much is crammed. This film is like a, I know we're not doing food again this week, but it's like a cheese buffet. 
but there's no end. Yeah. And you're just eating cheese forever. <laughs> just so much cheese. We've all been there. We've all been there. <laughs> but um, it's a horse fire. And I, I've, I've remembered liking this film, but I don't know why, because there's no action. Nothing happens in it. And by the end of it, it's got a really, it's got a really bad message. Like the white man comes and saves the, like the, like the, the, the people, it's the just, natives, and, the natives, thank mm. you, the natives of the planet who are responsible for, you know, maintaining the spice. Mm. It's just, I think just like, yeah, this is shit. And there's a kid in it. I forgot about his, his sister. She terrifies the fuck out of me. Oh, it's such a bad film. I'm glad you mentioned this because when it was re- revealed that uh, Doom was getting a remake and everyone was like crazy, and I, I remember online there was a big kind of buzz around it. And yeah, because Denis Villeneuve's behind it, and I think you know certainly with things like Arrival and you know his, his film repertoire, that that's the perfect person to have. Oh, I think he is as well. Yeah, but so um, the trailer looks better than the film I just saw. Now I know a lot of people are angry. You know, the people got fond memories like Sting. You know, Sting is the best thing in it, but that's like saying. Oh, this guy. Like meatloaf is the best thing in Rocky Horror. Yeah, there is a, there is a compliment in there. I mean, it's under a mile of shit, but there is a compliment. Yeah, I I, I will watch the remake. I don't know if I'll go as far as watching the original again. I'm going to watch the 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 new one just purely for the ensemble cast. I mean, that is pretty heroic, isn't it? There is. So what as well is, is my understanding is the Dune that's coming out is only something like one third of the story of the original. Right. So minor characters are getting bigger roles like um, Aquaman uh, and... Yeah, Jay, so Jason Momoa, Timothy Chalamet, Zendaya, Oscar Isaacs, Rebecca Ferguson, so the character- Stellan Starsgard, Josh Brolin, uh, Dave Bautista, yeah, so Javier all- Bardem. Exactly. So all these characters are going to have bigger parts because... And some of them are going to have smaller parts because my understanding is like Zendaya plays... Um, if I'm correct, she plays Sean, Long- uh, Sean Young's character in the original... She's only in it in like the final, the final part. So my understanding is this one's going to end. It's probably going to be a two-parter. Mm. That's my, that's what I've heard from shooting. But do you know what? I, I don't think it could do any worse. I'm actually looking forward to this one. I, it's, listeners, have you ever loved a film, but then rewatched it and thought, why? <laughs> because that's Doom. Because I loved it for years. I've been celebrating it. It's a campy great film. Oh, it's horse crap. It's so bad. Maybe I will rewatch it then. You've, you've actually taught me to rewatch it because I can't. I was never a fan of it and I was never really blown away by it. And so when everyone was hyped up, like, God, oh, God, the remake, I was like, well, yeah, didn't even know, great, but is that the film we really want? Like, where's the He-Man remake? Come on. Exactly. That's what we're waiting for. That is what we're after. We're bloody live-action Skeletor again. Let's have that. But I give you one hour. I give you one hour before you just thinking I should have done this. Oh, no, no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> no doubt. Um, to two trips to the cinema in two days. Two I, I'm going to get back to the cinema, I think... Soon, there's so much stuff coming out. There, there is obviously the big one's Bond, but obviously I love the Sopranos number two two weeks ago. They've obviously got the prequel. Yeah, Many Saints of Newark. Want to see that? Yeah, I still haven't seen uh, Free Guy. I still haven't seen um, anything really. I can't mm. remember what the last film I went to cinema. Maybe you've got a kid. You know, it's it's acceptable for you to have no life. Well. I have managed to watch many a film on TV. I'm going to start, if it's all right, with a movie from 2021 on Netflix. And this revealed itself to me via the Netflix random generator. I'll admit it wasn't the first thing that popped up because I wanted to watch an original that I hadn't seen before. So I did have to skip one or two. And I think this is maybe the third thing that popped up. And so there I am pressing it. And I didn't even want to see, you know, Netflix plays you a little trailer. It gives you a little blurb. Don't want to know any of that. I just want to see the title straight away. Go, haven't seen it. Press play. Let's go. Don't go want to know it. anything about it. Mm-mm. So the movie opens up and it's a film called Kate. 
Have you seen it? I have seen half an hour of it. So Kate. For something, for personal pleasure, not for this. Yeah. So Kate opens up. Uh, I've not seen it before. It opens up. Personal pleasure. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Makes me just sound like I was there with some wipes. <laughs> for entertainment. Um, yeah, so this is a movie directed by uh, Cedric Nicholson, Troy Ann, who did Snow White and the Huntsman. You can't win them all. <laughs> Different <laughs> It stars Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Uh, it's got Woody Harrelson in it. It's got Mika Patricia Martinio in it. I must admit, the first, it opens up with this scene in uh, Osaka in, in Japan. Um, there's a, it, it opens up with a kind of like a shipping yard, container yard, uh, and an assassin with a sniper, you know, kind of getting ready to take the shot kind of feel to it. I must admit, when Mary Elizabeth Weinstead popped up on screen, I was like, oh, okay, good. Yes. There was a part that I was like, I, this might have paid off. This random she's, generator may have done it. She's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but, you know, I think, um, you know, brilliant in Birds of Prey, obviously Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. I think she's a, she's a great on-screen presence, very physical actor as well, does a lot of, like, choreography, and this film is no exclusion to that. Like, some of the fight scenes in this are very well choreographed, very, very good, brutal fight scenes. This is a real, like, I mean, it's it's a 15, but it probably should have been an 18, to be fair, on, mm. on gore and violence alone. Um, Woody Harrelson's in it as well, where I was like, okay, what are we going to get? Are we going to get Woody Harrelson pre-retirement, you know, before he retired the first time, when he was doing some gold <laughs> indie movies and all that stuff? Or are we going to get Woody Harrelson needs a new kitchen? Fair Let's man. do this. Yeah, uh, We'll get to that in a minute. But um, going through the storyline then, so Mary Elizabeth Winstead plays Kate, who's this super elite double-hard assassin, Working in Japan, she's sent to eliminate a target. Her handler is Woody Harrelson. Um, she uh, the, the hit goes right, but there's a complication. There's uh, you know breaks one of her kind of codes. You know because if you're an elite badass double you, hard assassin, you've got to have a couple of codes. You've got to have codes, mate. Codes, you know they they like it keeps really... you it keeps you grounded so that you as the viewer realize that not too she, bad. she's not that bad. You know, yeah. like yeah, she's shooting people in the head from a mile away and all. But stuff. she doesn't shoot for money, but she's won't do it to certain people whatever in this situation something goes wrong does break one of her codes of conduct and she says one more hit and I'm out she shoots a mine <laughs> <laughs> she uh, she decides she's out so she gives notice to Woody House and she hands in a, a notice um, but she's got one more hit to do and that is the top one that's the one that they build it up to so everything that's- so far has been preparation for the big Big uh, assassination of it's one lucky of that, isn't it? Yeah. It's lucky that there's one more. All right, then. All right. Yeah, the head of the Yakuza. Let's yeah. go with that. I mean, probably would have started with that. Yeah. <laughs> but she's but working way through the henchmen first. They're so desperate to get them killed, then you, you can leave it a bit. <laughs> <laughs> you can. Yeah. Wait till a lot of his men have been assassinated, like yeah. his right-hand man and his brother, because, and then try and kill him. Because what will happen is he'll, he'll relax the security, because yeah. he'll be like, the assassin must have run out of bullets by now. <laughs> <laughs> must have got bored and gone home. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so but unfortunately before she can make the final hit the last one to get out she is poisoned by um, plutonium 24 and I only say that because the film says it a lot yeah, yeah. plutonium 24 everyone's like oh plutonium 24 I found myself at that point going oh shit not plutonium 24 oh my god like, the other 23 are fucking terrible so the four, 24th must be memorable mate the 24th is the worst it's like it's until like, the sequel <laughs> <laughs> the 25th one mate oh that's the worst it's like when COVID-19 came out, didn't it? And 
and everyone was like, oh, remember the other 18? <laughs> you know, just, we just got through them, you know. And uh, Auntie's on it, done it. <laughs> Plutonium 24 is, is the killer. It gives, uh, unfortunately, Kate a time of 24 hours before she will die. There's no cure. It's fucking it wasn't Plutonium 8. <laughs> yeah, well, that had a lot longer lifespan. But Plutonium, um, Plutonium 24, yeah, is... is uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. So she's got 24 hours. So now it becomes your classic assassin, revenge, hyper-violent uh, flick. 24 hour, no. So it's in the vein of movies like John Wick, Hannah, Lucy, Kill Bill, Atomic Blonde, Long Kiss, Goodnight, even Crank. <laughs> Sorry. It's those movies all combined. So they are your wheelhouse. If they're the movies that you like, you like your action, you like your um, neon lit fight scenes and blood and gore, and you like all the movies that I've just listed, this is right up your street because the storyline will not offer anything new to the genre and you will probably guess everything that's about to happen, but it is stylized. The Tokyo is a brilliant backdrop for this movie. The neon lights, the kind of the clash of cultures, particularly in a, in a uh, kind of Western to Western audience, it is that kind of like, Oh, this is, this is different. You know, it's, it's kind of got this really bright lit, crazy world that it's set against. Sometimes it works really well in its favor. There is a, there's a, um, fight scene in a restaurant that that works really well very he's got strong themes of kill bill which i would say also i think the film knows that because not because of the female vigilante aspect but it's little things like she's wearing the same trainers as uma Thurman in, in that film so there are little oh, nods that's cool quite like that there's also nods to films like alien you know ripley you know there is a scene where she's wearing a uh like, almost like a pilot's jacket with the sleeves rolled up and she has to cut her hair and when she walks out the bathroom you're like fuck she looks a lot like ripley and then so it almost like kind of plays on these strong characters and these awesome badass characters. Um, and the movies that, you know, I've done successfully well, you know, there are, the body count is extremely high. The blood and guts and gore is very, uh, very graphic. The fight play in it is, is, you know, it's one of the movies where people get stabbed in the eye, the throat, you know, blades are coming out of people's noses. It's just, it's very violent, very violent. She carries off the choreography brilliantly, like really, really well. She is a, a force to be reckoned with in this movie. I've 100% believe she was as dangerous as what the film sets her up to be, more so than, you know, something like where I was like, I'm very conscious I'm watching Uma Thurman in Kill Bill. Yeah. Whereas this, I was like, fuck, she's badass. She she can do it all. The problem is, is the storyline is absolute paint by numbers. Yeah. Like, I don't want to give any spoilers away. Woody Harrelson's in this movie. There's got to be a reason why he's in this movie. Yeah, just to be the handler, right? Nothing Completely. He's, he's definitely not got anything else to do with the storyline. So it's predictable, but it is undoubtedly entertaining, stylish. Um, I, yeah, it's, it's one of the movies as well that halfway through tries to inject these like emotive things like she was robbed of her childhood and then all of a sudden there's this kid that's caught in the crossfire and she becomes this kind of like 24-hour surrogate to that person to keep him safe. It's like, we get it redemption in your last 24 hours you're trying to save someone when you've killed so many and it has this whole like the per is the person she's trying to kill the real villain and or is he just it, of course he is he's a yakuza he's probably done some very fucking awful things so don't try and tell me halfway through the movie that actually maybe this has all been a bit of a misunderstanding and actually he's a very soulful person just you know none what, of that do you know what i never understood about these films you know that moment where they go where they start like second guessing themselves or that other thing oh, what have i done or they they you like think about putting the guns down and just having some family time. Mm. Problem is in the next scene, they then pick up those guns and shoot a lot more people in the head. Mm. So so they're supposed to learn something, but I actually change. It is, it's one of the films as well, where it goes from, it goes from her fighting, you know, 20 people at once to fighting one person who seems to be immortal and yeah. is long drawn out, but very, very cool stylized choreographed, choreographed fight scene. Um, so, you know, it's got some really good characters in it. It's got this like, it goes from, you know, the neon, 
um, hyper-tech skyscrapers of Tokyo to the back alleys and the side streets. So it has this real good blend to then the old town, the traditional quiet parts of of uh, Tokyo as well. And, and um, what I'd class as probably more the suburb area. So it's got this feel to the whole movie. There, there is one scene that is so, so terrible in a car chase scene that is just really bad. Like it, the effects on it just is in like the first 20 minutes. There's a moment where she gets in the car and there's this high speed car chase through Tokyo that just looks really poor graphics. Mm. It just really didn't need it. Because other than that, the action scenes kind of carry it for itself. I, to be honest, if you like movie like Hannah and Lucy and Kill Bill are good examples of, particularly Hannah is probably the closest one. Um, but if you like these kind of movies, these un, unbreakable, unstoppable assassins against hordes of villains, this this is right up your street. Mm. And if you like blood and you like violence and you like that kind of stuff in your movie, just mindless entertainment like that, then this is for you. Oh, so that's Kate. Kate. On, on the Netflix. On the Netflix. Easily accessible. Seems like it's a bit popcorn fodder. Yeah. You get through a bit of popcorn in that movie. Right. But do you know what? I really like linking things together. Mm. Now, I've known this for a while. Some of the choices I make on Amazon and some of the choices, choices I make on Netflix. Netflix and Amazon assume I'm a 12-year-old girl. I know this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My recommended mate is never is never what it should be. My, so, my Netflix now is like punishment. It's like because you watch Van Helsing. Yeah. And I knew I shouldn't fucking but watch it, that. But it always, why is it always picked the worst? It's like, it never says like, oh, you watched The Big Lebowski. You yeah. know, maybe you love these other films. It always goes, you watched Adam Sandler for 30 seconds. Therefore, you're stained now with this horse shit forever. Yeah. <laughs> so you might also like, fuck, you know I don't fucking like these movies. <laughs> There's nothing worse than when someone doesn't get you. And Netflix yeah. just doesn't get me. But um, in the process of, it was keeping it real. The Age, the age of 17. So it's a, this is what I got on the randomizer. Um, the Edge of 17, it's a 2016 coming-of-age comedy from first-time director Kelly Freeman Craig. It's starring Hayley Stanfield, who obviously, the girl from True Grit, the fucking... In your, when you're in a film with Matt Damon, Jeff Bridges, and uh, who was the other one? Josh Brolin. Mm. And you steal the show. You know where you are going to be. Money! She's also the voice of uh, Gwen Stacy in... Spider-Man is the Spider-Verse. That's so, where the name is coming up. Okay, So yeah. she is, uh, she's phenomenal, mate. She's easily going to be like Hollywood soon. Well, she stars as Nadine Franklin, a 17-year-old high schooler with a horrid relationship with her super popular older brother, Darian, and her mother. Nadine has only ever felt close to her father, who died when she was 13, and her one and only friend, Krista. They met when they were young, you know, their BBFs forever. So Nadine's socially awkward, inside herself shy. Mm-hmm. But not stupid. Genius mm. can make the connections, you know. She can't make the connections with people, but there ain't no flies on her, mate. <laughs> I've actually put that. Jesus Christ. During a party, best friend Krista ends up hooking up with Darian. Oh, slut. Which, well, you know, they're both single, they're allowed. <laughs> that seems actually quite funny when you, I'm not going to get into spoilers, but that's quite funny. Which leaves Nadine feeling depressed with no one to turn to. In a depression, Nadine strikes up a friendship with a fellow student and a Filmmaker, there you go, and her teacher, Mr. Bruner, played by Woody Harrelson. There's the link. And tries to establish relationships. So she decides to grow from this and uh, she starts picking up new relationships with people, trying to be different, trying to better herself. But there's one thing I desperately want to make on. This is not a focus about popularity. Uh, Nadine never wants to be popular. She never wants to be the focus of the story. This is about she feels desolated from her family because her mother, her mother's going on dates, trying to obviously replace her father because uh, Nadine's quite 
um, close to her father. She was there when he died. He had a heart attack after they bought burgers, so there's that close proximity. The great thing about this story is that it's a focus on the family and not popularity. It's about her brother's the popular one. She doesn't want to be popular. She just wants someone. And her one link to this ten- tenuous world was taken away by another thing, taken away by her brother. She goes to a party, and they are compared to twins, you know, the good stuff is Arnold Schwarzenegger and she's the Danny DeVito. And I'd like to point out if I was a pint and said, you're the Danny DeVito, I'd be like, yes, <laughs> bitch, I am. Got effortless Woody Harrelson here. So he's effortless. He's he's on the good side of things. You know, that's, that sort of indie movie where you just need a teacher. Now this is, you know, Perks of being a wallflower mm. and you've got Paul Rudd. It, Paul Rudd's just effortless. You know, he's there. He does what he does very quickly, but he's not a main story. Because this, this is sounding to me like um, that, Charlie Bartlett when Robert Downey Jr. was the head of the... That was literally, I was going to say, the connection, that's what I was going to the two ones I've got are the connections to this and Charlie Bartlett mm. where you get an A-lister actor who doesn't have to do much but just has to hold enough of their, hold enough of their part. Did, Robert, did uh, Robin Williams start that? Probably. Maybe. Yeah. The veteran of the, yeah. the kind of the established actor, the comedian, the famous one, playing a little bit out of type, type kind of, pushing the light on the younger generation, but still delivering a, an epic Brilliant. performance. Yeah. yeah. So is that, is, is, this is when you said to yours, you, you, which, which Woody did you get? You got, we got good at Woody in this one, but then again, don't get me wrong. He's not on the screen for too long. He's literally just there for a few quick scenes and to be the, the moral, not the moral compass, but a type of compass mm. for Nadine. Quirky writing. That's honest and genuine. It comes across as real. I believe, you know, for, it's a, it's a different culture as America. And I'll always have a problem with, with adults playing teenagers because they all look out of place. Remember when you watch Buffy and you were like, why are all these 40-year-olds dressed up for school kids? It's weird, isn't it? However, I know Hayley is 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 young. But she, she's, uh, she comes across, the, the, the writing's just quirky, honest, believable. I imagine the conversations that 17-year-old girls have with their mother. You know, they're not talking about shoes or what boys they're like. They're, they're talking about, you know, what's for dinner? Fuck you. You know, that sort of thing. Real, honest, genuine. Um, Sounds like that. Um, what was that film? Lady Birds. I love Lady Bird. Yeah, that I remember going over she from was, that. She was a fucking nightmare. If I was, if I was the parents, I'm like, get out of the car. Yeah, just, Sasha Ronan. Yeah, just fuck off. I love that film. That film was so brilliant. Like, and that was mainly down to the dialogue, like the arguments, and then they they'll be like screaming at each other. And then two minutes later, they're just like, "So what's for dinner?" And it's yeah. like, oh, you know, and it, it just felt real. Good dialogue. Yeah. So this this has that as well, and I love this. Relationships do play a part in it. However, it's a focus of loyalty in friendships, like the big things like choose your brother or me. You know, and it's, it's heartbreaking when no one, when someone's got nothing and you feel like they're trading is. How do you respond? How do you, how do you greet the world? And number one positive about this is Hayley Stenfield. She's just phenomenal. Mm. She's just brilliant. And do you know what? I've seen three, I've probably seen her in more, but the three things I've seen her and she's been fantastic. The girl's money. Mm. And I knew that when I saw True Grip for the first time. And it, it basically, she owns Jeff Bridges, who's one of my favorite actors, like round the fucking screen. And she outshines everyone. She's phenomenal. And then just in this little quirky indie film, the comedies, it's not laugh out loud. You will have a smile on your face and you will get invested in the characters, which is really nice. And I really like, like I said multiple times, it's about family, not like social life. And I really like that bit different. I would need to be in the right frame of mind to watch that, but I would watch that. It's, it's, it's a, I don't think it's as good as, as Lady. Is it Lady? Bird or Lady Bug? Lady Bird. Lady Bird. Because I, I think that's pinnacle. I think that's brilliant. Mm. I just, I've I never wanted to be a teenage girl so much in my entire life. <laughs> but Perks of Being a Wallflower is is there and and as is, um, as we talked about Charlie Bartlett. So these movies are special. I think yeah. these, coming, these smart coming of age, the movies that I wish were around when I was younger. Instead of American, American Pie. Yeah. Fuck you again. Every week <laughs> I'll say it. 
Fuck you, American Fuck Pie. you, American Pie. <laughs> like, all your terrible story. <laughs> um, in this one, you know, she has to deal with the tragic loss of her father and where she lives in the world. In American Pie, he fucks a pie, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In yep. the second one, doesn't one of them shovel flew up their ass? <laughs> yep. <laughs> In the third one, one of them eat dog shit. I don't know, I'm not saying it, mate. I was, when the flute came up the ass, I was done. <laughs> I was, it peaked. No, I think I was done when, you know, I can't remember. No, do you know what? I don't even remember. Just walked out the cinema at that scene, really like, these comedy. movies could not get better. <laughs> this comedy comedy has been completed. I will see you later. I don't want to see any more. No need to see any more comedy after that scene. Um, so Edge of 17, it's, it's, it's on the Netflix. And... Uh, Fuck you for fucking up my algorithm because now it's just nothing but quirky teen comedies. Come on, I'm gonna peak when she's all that is my number. You would like this, yeah? Any Lindsay Lohan kind of movie, yeah. yeah. But um, I'm gonna go to a movie that I think you've seen that I've just got round to seeing. That was one of the most anticipated movies I've wanted to see in a long time, based Ooh. off the trailer. And uh, luckily, when Closing my eyes and, and on Amazon this week and just keep dabbing, dab, 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 dab. And when I stopped, open my eyes. Luckily, this landed on because this is probably the one I wanted to watch anyway. And that is The Green Knight. Yeah, I've seen this. Oh, man. I've made Do you know what? I'm just going to say this out of the park now. And you don't have to tell me. I know you posted a bit on Twitter about this mm. week. Is I've got two friends. Well, I've got more than that, honest. <laughs> I've got one friend who fucking loves this film and it's their film of the year. And I've got another friend that when they got told that, Block them on Facebook. I can understand that. Yeah, I can, I can understand <laughs> because they hated it that much. They didn't want to talk to him for a bit. So this, I mean, this is from director David Lowry, who I don't know if anyone's a long time listener. When when I, I talked about a movie called Ghost Story ages ago, and I had that same thing where I loved that movie. I thought that movie was one of the best films I'd seen. You know, Rooney Mara in that film gives one of the greatest performances I'd ever seen. And she eats a whole pie in one of the scenes, like a if full wait, dessert. She, she'll never do anything that'll impress you as much as Ian in the entire Exactly. Pie. But that movie was so just, there was everything about the movie felt like this is a director and a filmmaker who's got a story and he will tell it his way. There were long glaring shots of like a house, nothing happening. You know, like Rooney Mara would just take the bins out. And the shot of the house just outstayed its welcome about a full minute. And you're like, we're going to cut to another scene yet? Nope. And when you settle into that, that theme, that that pace, and and realize that what the director's saying is, just trust me, it, I I've, I've was fully engaged with that movie. I thought it was beautiful, haunting, emotional, captivating, original. So with this guy, I, I love. And he's done other, you know, Man with a Gun, which I really love, not least because Tom Waits is in it and he gets this brilliant like soliloquy monologue in the middle of the movie, which I thought was fantastic. But the Green Knight, since seeing the trailer, I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, because I, I didn't know, I don't know, I don't read poetry. I don't know about the 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 kind of uh, Gowan and the Green Knight um, fable, poem, literature. I didn't no know. One. Any, yeah. I don't think anyone knows. I, I didn't know about it. So I didn't, I, this to me could have been a completely original story. It was only afterwards where I was like, oh, right, okay, it's actually based on something. So it's based on a, a poem. It's all, on old literature around, uh, well, I'll get into that in a moment, but it stars Dev Patel. Yeah, it does. Big fan. A huge Dev fan. Dev Patel. It's number, also- Number one, number two in probably the future. Yeah, and th- this is certainly, I mean, if Lion and this, you know, were not kind of two movies to, to blow your socks off with his... Do you know what? I'm so uh, glad you mentioned Lion. I'm sick of podcasts going by and we don't mention how good Lion is. Lion is a phenomenal. I, is. I got choked up the other week. I was at like a small gathering and someone was asking for film recommendations. I got choked up describing Lion. Mate. I got I got to the point where I had to stop and I thought, I don't even know these people. <laughs> like, Did you were choking up? Do you remember when it was so good? My pants fell down. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> No context, move on. 
So Dev, Dev Vitell is, is insane. He's, he's that, he's just this brilliant, I heard a film review show recently talk about him and saying how he, he can do intense and vulnerable in the same scene. And I thought that is such a brilliant like analysis of how he acts. Yeah. Dev Patel is, is phenomenal. Um, it's also got uh, Alicia Vikander in it. More her. Yeah. Yeah, just in two in every- roles in this movie. Yeah. Um, it's got Aaron Kellyman in it. It's got Sean Harris in it. It's Go got, for it. has got Joel Edgerton in there it. There he is. <laughs> Mate, he's lucky he was in the wood because he was chewy. <laughs> <laughs> it's got it's got Barry Keenan in it who, let's be honest, he looks evil. <laughs> he does, doesn't he? Yeah. If I come across him on the weary, lonesome road, you, you just, you would look- not trust him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... Yeah, if you come knocking on your door selling you something, you're like, go away. Powerful voice, though. Yeah, well, oh, uh, are you getting him mixed up with Ralph Innocent? No, because he's, he's obviously got the, he's, he's plays the Green Knight, doesn't he, with his yeah. voice? Yeah, or I believe he, I don't know with this, I think he does, but then I think he also does the, he definitely does the voice, obviously, of the Green yeah. Knight. But I don't know whether Joel Edgerton also does some of the, the Green Knight scenes as well, because there's something about the eyes. I know you're supposed to, we'll get into this in a moment. I know you're supposed to think that's a dual character. And in fact, maybe the Green Knight is multiple characters, a manifestation of multiple characters in the film. But the, yeah, there is a part where I was like, I don't know. Now, the problem with this is, I'm going to go into this about Joel, uh, Ralph Innocent, Gunpowder Milkshake, we talked about that last week. The Witch, you know, kind of really in a leading role in that with uh, Anna Taylor-Joy. But I can't get away from the fact that he used to do the ads on Dave. So yep. if you grew up like I did watching things like Top Gear and, you know, all these kind of programs Everyone on Dave. Next. <laughs> yeah, it's like, next on Dave. And he would always do that like, sponsored by Dacia. Yeah, and and, and any time he pops up in things like episodes of The Office or anything like that, I'm like, the British Office that is. I'm always like, oh my God, it's that guy. That voice is so distinctive. That has got to be one of the most distinctive voices. And I see why... He's in this movie, you know, because like the you know the Green Knight character needs that gravelly, that very bassy, baritone voice, crisp it, voice. You know what? That's a, what's weird is that voice is menacing, but also at the same time, if he was reading me a story, I would go to sleep. We're like, yeah, thank you. Oh yeah, it's yeah. A strong voice. It's got you. What's it got you voice? What do they you. call it now? That that is it a what's that? You know, where people listen to like very quiet. Oh, AMSR. Yeah, it's, I imagine he'd be very good at that, eating celery and just narrating, <laughs> narrating his life to you. But so anyway, the cast is strong. The cast is amazing. The director is, you know, is, is certainly what's it called? Critically acclaimed, I suppose, is the the, the tag for him, isn't it? It's the retelling of Garwin and the Green Knight, which is a medieval poem and piece of literature. It's King Arthur. It's the Round Table. It's knights. It's stories of valor and bravery. That's the kind of realm that we're in. It's a fantasy. Um, mythical adventure it's horror it's mystery it's suspense it's a, a smorgasbord Ooh, of all these different reading my notes. <laughs> yeah, of all these different um, kind of themes and, and ideas within the film it's the, the basic premise of it is is that uh, Dev Patel plays Garwin who's this uh, who's the nephew of King Arthur who's not yet a knight yet, yet. and um, the one day around the uh, Christmas day around the table around the round table um, the king asks for a story, a tale. He doesn't know his nephew's a bit strange. The nephew isn't a knight because he's still hanging on to that living, you know, wild, you know, partying, drinking, whorehouses, that kind of thing. He's not ready to mature somewhat. He's still under the wing of his mother. And so he sits by his side and he's like, tell me a story. You know, it's Christmas. And he's like, well, I don't have any to tell. I'm not a knight. I don't have anything like that. And lo and behold, at the moment he says that, in enters the green knight. This yeah, Tree in armor. He's a tree, mossy, big creature on a on a horse who comes in with swinging an axe, saying, 
basically lays down the gauntlet by saying, which one of United is brave enough to face me? And if they land a blow um, in one year's time, they must meet me six days from here north in the in the chapel where I am to return this same blow back. Garwin then steps up. This is his chance in front of his uh, in front of his uncle, the king, King Arthur. He's not yet a knight. You know, this is the moment he's been waiting for. Steps up, and then we start to see his character unveil. This nervous, young, inexperienced person. Because if you're being told in a year's time the, the person gets to return the blow, don't cough the dude's head. Don't what do you mean? Don't hit him as hard as you can. I I feel that like that should be. Pretty obvious. Should have just kissed him on the neck. <laughs> Would have just, yeah, or maybe maybe a nice back massage. There you go. You know, because then in a year's time, got something to look forward to, don't you? Yeah. Maybe a little hair play, James. Devtel's got lovely hair in this. <laughs> it would be if he just moves his hair, <laughs> tea bagged him on his run, forehead. Run us a bath. <laughs> <laughs> wet Willy. <laughs> imagine tra- imagine travelling six days north to get wet Willy. <laughs> <laughs> so. Green Knight obviously picks up his head, walks out laughing, and there, <laughs> lols, lol, you fucking silly boy. <laughs> and there we are. There's the gauntlet. So in a year's time, um, you have a year to prepare. And naturally, uh, Garwin doesn't do that. Uh, he doesn't prepare himself. He doesn't work on bravery and courage and all these things that you know, and, and turn into that adulthood that you know, in that night that he's supposed to be. And no sooner uh, than. <laughs> what is two minutes a year goes by and then the king's like off you trot mate see it you have a fucking deal to uh to 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 fulfill and then the story is mainly a kind of mix of like say all these different genres and you know themes of things like even like lord of the rings or this kind of cross-country travel as he must work his way north to meet the green knights um to repay the debt along the way we come across various characters different scenarios you know some of those real and grounded and sound others mythical uh you know giants talking foxes we come across witches and and fables and and storylines you know that completely detect uh sorry uh, um take us off the main path of the story ultimately i i love this film i really do i'm in the camp of that i think it's brilliant and i'm not saying that because it's dead patel i'm not saying that because it's david lowery first and foremost it's visually incredible Yep. It is probably one of the best looking films. I wish I saw this on the big screen. So I remember when I first watched this and you know, the opening scene is a f- crown on flames that lowers itself. Mm. I remember, I remember I then wikied who the director was and then saw Ghost to me. Like, All right. Yeah. <laughs> just, I just knew I was in for something. <laughs> yeah. And it's A24. So, you know, if you like movies like um, The Lighthouse and, and stuff like that, this is this is one of those kind of movies. It's very artistic. It's a very indie flair movie. Um, it's it's a movie where, you know, the the director is given the creative help. You know, in, it's, you know, if this was made by Paramount or something, probably Tom Cruise would be in this movie yeah. and it would completely take you off it. Because some of the complimentary characters are, Sean Harris is great as King Arthur. He's, and he's not. He's not, he doesn't overstay his welcome, does he? No, no. So I did think they were actually, I, when I was watching, I was thinking, I'm surprised they didn't go for a bigger actor to play King Arthur. Yeah. Because what was his name? Sorry, Sean. Harris, yeah. Sean Harris looks ill. Well, he's supposed to be, isn't he? He's supposed to be frail. And so this is the whole point. It, it, well, not the whole point. I, I'm not going to lie. I don't feel like I fully understand this movie. Like, I think I'll probably have to watch this two or three times and read around the source material and much cleverer people than I to really depict it. What I got from it, like I say, is that it's this idea, it, it questions things about, do you actually want the legacy that you're putting forward? Like Dev Patel's character wants to become a knight and he believes that doing this, it makes him the knight, but then he's questioning every step along that journey. 
yeah, but is this actually me? And and yes, I could do that and I could do these challenges, but actually would I be happy with that? Or, you know, what was wrong with the life I was living? There's stories in there of son and mother relationships and living under the, the you know, in, still in the nest and come on, you're an adult now, you need to leave. And because she is the archetype and the, the engineer of a lot of this, you know, she's believes in witchcraft, you know, at the beginning of the movie, highly um, suggests that she actually brings the green knight into the castle, you know, and she actually summons him to lay that challenge down, knowing that her son would um, fall for the bait. It has, you know, these questions of actual, you know, what what's it mean to be brave and to be courageous? And there are scenes where, what I like about it as well, without giving any spoilers, there are moments of the film where it takes you off and shows you a what if. What if I did this? This would then happen. And actually, is that the outcome I want? So I think watching it, I was completely blown away by the performance and the visual effects. And actually, when I got sucked into the whole, this is fucking batshit, like, you know, this is this is so crazy. Like one minute, there's, there's like giants in this scene and then there's this like haunted house and this woman saying their head is at the bottom of this lake. There's a talking fox. There's... Joel Edgerton, who, let's be honest, when you come into the movie halfway through the film and you're as charismatic as you are, you know something is behind the eyes. And and there's this like test at that scene, which I found really interesting for where it was in the film. I, I just loved it. I, th- I thought it was a real, don't get me wrong, like I said, there's probably loads to this film I still don't understand and probably need to go back and revisit. But what I saw, I actually thought it was really, really good. I think it's really, really good. I think what people were expecting there was a bit of a, I don't know, more action. It's not action. It's, mm. it's a story. It's more about, I always put it down to, it's about loyalty and bravery and what do they actually mean. When yeah. I'm watching it, it's, it's what is bravery. He doesn't because do, he's because he's not a brave person. No, no, he doesn't. His, do, his bravest moment at the start of the, the start of the film is he beheads. Well, he he hits this he hits this knight and he thinks, oh fuck! You know, in his eyes, he's like, I'm going to mm. get laid. Then the knight picks his head up, but he's like, well, now you're done. Yeah. <laughs> Your bravery has left the film. <laughs> How do you respond to that? And it, it also has this. It has this. You know, this very kind of, I suppose, relevant 2021 narrative about nature and reclaiming the planet and this this idea of nurture versus nature you know the green knight there's there are scenes like you know he puts the the axe away that he gets after he defeats the knight in the first instance and a year later when he goes to retrieve it you know the box it's in is covered now in growth and moss and you know and there's a huge soliloquy halfway through the movie from alicia vikander basically if you had fell asleep she tells you what you needed to know <laughs> but in a, in a in a very kind of cryptic way you know, Joel Edgerton is in the background swinging from a chandelier. It's, it's a, it, it, I, I find it really, really fascinating. I'm not going to rush back to watch it, but I am going to enjoy the day when I sit back down and, and take it in and just be absorbed by it. And it will be a day when I know I've got no distractions. It, you know, that perfect day. Yeah, that perfect day. And you've got and the tea's just the right temperature. The tea's the right temperature. You're feeling good in yourself. And it, that time can be, I went for a run. Where that time for me was like 6 a.m. on a Sunday. I remember you saying, yeah. I'd come downstairs early, put a film on, and, and you know, and it would be finished before the rest of the house is up or, you know, my neighbours are up or whatever it is. And I had that this solace in thinking, I've just watched something great in a time when everyone else might still be asleep. You know, other times it could be in the middle of the day, day off. It could be unexpected, James. Mm. You'd never know when that crafty film is going to appear at the right time. And I need that for this film the next time I watch it. Yeah, so I can't you, be watching it with someone who's fucking about and talking. No, I agree with you on that. Well, yeah. No, I like this film. I thought, do you know what? Another thing as well is, 
you have to watch this film with the volume up mm. because there's something about, I know it's going to sound really weird and I kind of hope you understand what I mean. The noise is claustrophobic. Mm. The noise is loud, jarring, you know, my my memories of it when he's going through the castle, there's a lot of noise, but it, that's all you can hear. It's almost deafening, but it, they're also, he's also talking over it. Like I remember the first scene when he's talking to either his mother or Tomb Raider as they're walking down, they're on two separate levels and they're shouting at each other. The, the noise isn't muted. They are literally just having a screaming match with yeah. each other. And I, I just remember thinking, oh my God, I got uncut gems. I was like, oh, please don't be like this for the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah, and, and there are moments as well when like the Green Knight moves and you get that kind of like that age kind of creaking, that wooden yeah. feel to it. You know, you've got the hoofs on the ground. You, you've got loads of nods to to other movies as well throughout this. You know, as we already talked about in, um, you know, if you think Kate had references to movies of the same ilk this certainly does as well but there are for me some real there are some standout imagery scenes that, that again i probably don't understand or maybe need to revisit but there is this there's this 360 panning shot that is brilliant where death patel is tied up below a tree and the film this is what i mean about david Lowry's, um you know taking a film and delivering it at his own pace does this 360 spinning shot where when the camera turns back round, Dev Patel's not there, there's a skeleton where he was. And it's just got all these scenes to it where I'm like, oh, that's so, I love that. I love that. I can see that if this isn't your kind of film and you're not into the old, you know, like the A24 kind of production and you're not into like the indie or, you know, you need a, you need a film that kind of gives you more so you can follow it. Then I think people would hate this film. But is the you know I I these are this ticks all the Aaron boxes. I'll be honest. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I, I'm with you, mate. I really like this film as well. Green Knight is my recommendation of the week. Oh, but but I know it's not for everyone. Like we go story, like we go story. I know someone wrote in after watching Ghost Story and said, yeah, it was good, but it's not as good as you've raved on about. And I was like, well, it's you know, not, it's not everyone's cup of tea, mate. It's not. Everyone. I was, I was trying to get cats in there because I mentioned Idris Elba was in oh, cats. Oh, Idris Elba was in cats. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's important to remember. Right. So, um, you know, we firmly established that my my algorithm now thinks that I'm a girl. Mm. So when, and there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But, but a 12 year old girl. <laughs> that's, that's where the issue comes. I've done it again. So I thought I'd reinforce this. So when I randomized, I was like, what's this? Because I'm going to say here, what randomized was Fright Street. Fight Street. Fright. Oh, what was those? What was those trilogies we did? Oh, Fear Street. Fear Street. That's oh, I'm in my notes. I might have mocked up in here then. Um, Fear Street. So mm. I, I redid it, and I got this. It's called the Final Girls. The Final Girls, mate. Your yes. your algorithm is all over the place. An American comedy slasher that came out in 2015, which explores the 80s slasher genre from a 2000s perspective. I'll be honest, I've just Googled the poster and that looks pretty good. Right, so we, so, uh, do you know what, I'm just going to get into it. Max is the daughter of a former screen queen, Amanda. However, Amanda dies in a car accident. So, she's she's come out of the A's, she's given birth to Max. Amanda's trying to get a job, mate. She gets into a car accident and then she dies. So she, because she can't get away from being the screamer, the screen queen. Three years later, Max is emotionally blackmailed by her fans, uh, by her friends. So she's got friends and her friend's brother is basically into movies. It's the anniversary. It's the anniversary showing of the 1986 slasher film Camp Bloodbath, which starred Amanda. So it's three years later and Max is basically going to cinema to watch her mum on the big screen in one of her famous roles where she just basically plays a character to die. I have heard of this movie. I know what you're talking about now. Um, while there, the theater is accidentally set ablaze. So Max and her friends use an axe to cut through the screen because they believe there's a fire door on the other side of the screen. However, 
they wake up in the woods and encounter characters from the opening of the film, Camp Bloodbath, and realise they're inside the film. Last action hero! Basically, yes, but without with less Houdini and no explanation, actually. It never comes up. <laughs> so, these five characters, they're all like, you know, there's the jock, there's the, the ones with the phones. They, they like technology, mate. There's maybe from Arrested Development. You've got the nerd. And they're set now in this world of the 80s slasher, and it is literally, it's Jason X. It's, it's not Jason X, sorry. It's, it's the Jason franchise. There's a killer with an oversized mask. It's very clever writing. What we've got here is we've got, it's in the same vein as Fear Street and Cabin in the Woods. And it, do you know what? What was your favourite Fear Street? It was the second one for me when they started taking on the slashers. Yeah, definitely. This yeah. is the film, it, this film basically like, came before. So we're talking about Fear Street and how much we liked it. And the final girls picks the best elements of the Fear Street trilogy for me. And there's a film focused entirely on them. Um, it's a clever story with easy to understand and follow characters. You really care about them. In the 80s version, there's a sex pest and it kind of goes against like what we expect now. And it's just like, he's rude. He's just, but obviously uh, you've got Amanda, the, the character Amanda plays, but Max, you know, sees her mother inside her, you know, how to get, you know, she wants to love her because she's a mom, but in reality, she is a fictional character. She isn't, you know, um, it's, it plays with the slasher fake tropes, which it would, it's brilliant. Mm. How do they lure? It does this brilliant thing that when they first get there, the five modern days, let's call it, they see, they follow the film narrative. They realize, because obviously one of the characters is, knows the film like the back of his hand, because he's a film horror uh, aficionado. So he follows, he goes, right, someone's going to die here. Watch this. And he sees the slasher, uh, Billy, in this film, kill someone. And then the killer just stares at them. Because they're not part of the film, the killer doesn't know what to do with them. So kind of ignores them. So then like one of the characters tries to take a selfie with him and that sort of thing, like, like this pure blazing. But however, as the, as the film goes on, these characters become part of the storyline. Yeah. And it's really good. Like there's this phenomenal bit and I try not to spoil it, but it's quite possibly my favorite thing to do. Early on in the film, one of the characters starts telling about the legend of Billy. And or we see our five characters and they, the camera goes 360, starts spinning around them as like colours start to bleed and it goes black and white and you don't know what's going on. And then they go, wait a minute, we're in a the flashback. They later use that to save themselves. And this is, well, I apologise, but it's my favourite. I think it's so good writing. One of them is about to be killed by Billy. And so one of them starts telling the story of Billy's, he's like, oh, Billy was, a, was originally a child at the camp in 1953 and it stops the film. And it goes into the flashback and that's how they stop him. I said for, why don't you just carry on doing that mm. at so all the, times? So they use the mechanisms of film and storytelling to their advantage. You survive, in, yeah. yeah. That's, that's cool. I like that. It's actually, it's, do you know what? It's really good. It's got Vera Farminger's sister in it, who, I'm going to say her name right, is Tissa? Farminger, yeah. Is it sister? Is it sister? Because I thought there might have been, it was a sister because I did research it. Absolutely phenomenal. She is the character that you want to go in entry level with. You know, she's, She's quirky enough to be the main character. She's smart enough that you want to get it, but she's mm. not an idiot. You know, I, sorry. I like I like her. I I think I, I I like Vera Farmer. I know you do, but I think um, Farmer's have a good family. Yeah, it's that strong German gene, you know. <laughs> but uh, Tassia Farmer, I think Tassier. is um, the problem. Not the problem, but I when she comes from American horror story, particularly the first three oh, seasons, yeah, which is like it. the golden seasons. Yeah. And then when she's in a slasher like this and I, what did she pop in recently where I was oh like, God, she Amanda. So you trying to say? I was saw in something else recently that I was like, Oh, that's very close to American horror story. And American horror story, unfortunately for me is one of them shows that, um, 
you know, it's just not aged well and doesn't, and the more they do it, it's like, just stop doing this now, Ryan Murphy. Um, But she's really talented. So everything you're telling me about this movie, mate, I'm, this is probably the next movie I watch then because this looks fucking cool. I would say that had I not watched loads this week, and I've watched so much stuff, this was a very good film. It is, it's not two hours long. I believe it's about just over an hour and a half, might be one hour 45. It's actually a good watch. Mm. It was quite fun. I didn't, I wasn't distracted enough from it. You know, at no point was it boring. There's always some element comedy. The best character is a sex crazed eighties character who's just like trying to bang everything. It, but uh, but told for jokes, and he's not. He's a sex best, but for laughter. He's the point of mockery, is what I made. Like because obviously you don't act like this. So everyone's like, "You're an idiot. Mm. You deserve to die." They play on that the final girl must be a virgin, so it messes with the actual storyline as well. And that's what I mean. It's got elements of you know like Kevin Underwood's told you how a how the how a, how all horrors are kind of based. Mm. gives an explanation for all horrors and so did Fear Street this one doesn't do that it doesn't give an explanation for all horrors but it takes Fear Street 2 which was one of my favourite ones and basically just a story self-contained about that I, I it came out in 2015 it's one of those films like, I wish I'd seen earlier yeah because to me it sounds like a spiritual pre- it's what Fear Street then went on to do I, I think this movie found its audience later and I, and I don't know whether it's because it's off the back of you know of a, of a you know another popular movie that's come out but like this this film now, I'm certain I've seen online hype and praise for it recently. It was very good. Yeah. Yeah, and I was, because I, I mean, some of the films that I saw, they were really bad, so I, I upped the, on the rating you can pick after a certain score, mm. so you can eliminate them, so I did bump it up a little bit. I went from zero, mate, and trust me, there's a lot of shit on there that I wasn't watching. Not of Adam Sandler. <laughs> yeah, there was, actually. Sandy Wexler came up three times, and I refused to watch it. <laughs> Cool. Uh, that's a good recommendation. I'm certainly going to watch that one, bud. The oh. Final Girls. Mm. So I've got my final movie then, my third movie this week, and it's one that I think everyone listening to this podcast has seen. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I've seen this one a hundred times, a hundred times easy. And I was flicking through. Um, this is the one when uh, Prim was crying, and I thought when she stops crying, whatever it lands on, I'm going to watch that movie. And I hovered thinking, well, I've seen that a hundred times. Like, why am I going to watch that? And then I thought, but I can't remember the last time I've seen it. Does it age well? You know, let's go back to an origin of an actor that I think everyone knows, and that is Jim Carrey in yeah. 1994's Pet Detective. Have you seen, like, when was the last time you watched Ace Ventura? It was a while ago because because the last time I watched it, I didn't think it aged very well. It doesn't age very well, does it? <laughs> so so I, I do you know what I think when he got to the mental mental institution. Yeah, that's when I stopped because I was like, John, if I carry on watching this, mm. this is worse. Do you, when I, did you talk about the first one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because do you know what? This one makes the second one look like a fucking masterpiece. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was watching this. Yeah, but the second one's good because it's got, what's his name? Simon, oh, Simon Callow Simon in it. Callow, yeah. Right? The most famous person from Street Fighter. Everyone knows that. I know. <laughs> if I ever met him, I would ask him. Like, everyone goes on, like, everyone talk, wants to talk about things like Four Weddings and a Funeral and stuff. Yeah, I'd really? be like, let's talk about them two scenes in Street Fighter. Mate, you owned them. <laughs> Did you not demand your own character after that? I'll tell you what that movie needed. More people like you, lawyers. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, <laughs> it's true. Said, but I haven't seen this movie in ages, but it was one of my like go-to movies growing up. We had it on VHS. It was a, it was a, a family movie. We all loved it. Everyone enjoyed it. Jim Carrey being that goofy, you know, rubber face that he is, you know, in, in, in very kind of animated. I know critics hated this movie, but it landed Jim Carrey millions. And as we've already mentioned the sequel. You know we came out of when we were kids and I, do you know what? It's fucking hilarious. It was. As a kid, it was funny as hell. It was, it was. And, you know, and, and I, do you know the real, actually, I'll be honest, the real reason I watched it 
is because uh, NFL season's kicked back off, you know, so I was watching and I was thinking, yeah, you know, this has got Dan Marino in it. It's got the, like the time when the Miami Dolphins had an actual dolphin at the stadium and yeah. now obviously they don't. And I was like, Let's just watch it. When people fear transsexuals because it's like Silence of the Lambs and stuff like that. You know, it's just like, yeah. for no reason as well. Yeah, Sean Young. There's the link there's from the link. June. Yeah. Um, I saw watch this movie and I was like, let's just get it get it on. And if anyone hasn't seen it or has forgotten, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a pet detective. He hunts down missing animals uh, and he he's recruited by real policemen to help the hunt for a missing dolphin, the Miami Dolphins mascot, um, Snowflake. Yes. And he's the only guy that can do it because it's an animal that's gone missing. Yep. And also, it's not the police that want him, it's uh, Courtney Cox. Cause of police, course it is. Because they didn't want him. Yeah, the police, yeah, the police didn't want him. Sorry, the police Courtney didn't Cox. want him because they, they, stamp on a, they stamp on a bug, mate, and then make him investigate who did it, but but he did it because he saw it. it, it yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not going to go into the movie. I'm not going to go into it like The Green Knight and talk about like what I think the movie's <laughs> trying to tell us. or any What of that. it means about bravery. It, my, the reason why I bring it to the table is, is twofold. It's one, to ask, does it age very well? And I'll be honest, in parts it does. There are some scenes that are hilarious. There's The, you know, the opening sequence is it, it, it's actually better the older you get. The, particularly now when you order things off like Amazon and stuff like that and, and you <laughs> think, how, how the fuck did this get here like this? Yeah, and, you, and you're watching him like kicking this package down the, <laughs> down the hallway. And it's got moments like that where I'm like, good physical comedy. You know, in the bit where he first jumps in the tank and he's like looking at the camera doing all the kind of Star Trek impressions and, and everyone around him is just like, you fucking moron. Like, why did we bring you here? And it's got stuff like that. But you're right, it does go out of... I don't know, I suppose sensibility in certain scenes. I think you're right. The mental institution, you know, part is, yeah. a, you know, it's like anytime you watch any early Adam Sandler movies where, you know, when Adam Sandler plays anyone with any remote yep. disability, goes straight to that Adam Sandler. <laughs> right to the end. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? It does have some of those, it has some of the best jokes though that, that are perfect no mm. matter what film. It's like, uh, like I'm going to go now. Ace, ace. But you thought I left, didn't you? Just a shit like that. Or yeah. like, and do you know what, mate? I still think one of the funniest 30 seconds in film, and I, I never actually got round to it, and I hope it aged well, is he spends the entire film looking for a bird. Oh, yeah. And right at the end, that guy, uh, the guy dressed up as a bird, knocks Knocks away, off the cooler, yeah. Knocks off the cooler, and he punches him right at the same time that the camera goes to him as he's beating the fuck out of a mascot. Yeah. I still remember that being quite funny, but... I yeah. didn't get back to that on my rewatch. It has that like naked gun feel to it in them scenes, you know, where it where and I think even on the teleboard prompter, it says like pet detective. He loves animals. It has all of this kind of stuff. And he's like beating shit out of someone in a, in a costume. It, it has, it has got some real moments of, of absolute comedy that I was like, that's really funny. Like, and a lot of like the bit where he kind of goes to the, uh, the eccentric millionaire's house where he thinks the dolphin's been housed and it's actually a shark. And it has all them scenes to it where, you know, where he pretends he's like from um, food hygiene and he's there to inspect like the hors d'oeuvres and everything. And as a kid, I probably didn't really get all that stuff. Now I'm older watching it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I do I do appreciate Jim Carrey's earlier work. But regardless... Um, Dan Marino's in it. Dan Marino's is not funny. Yeah. He was the worst part about Bad Boys 2. <laughs> that's saying so. <laughs> that's, a, that's a low bar, isn't it? Mate, I, do you know Sometimes I surprise it with myself. But it, but it was to be honest. It, I think it I think it was harmless to go back and watch it and revisit it and laugh. And I, I tell you what, this is this is a, probably the take home. I laughed at the parts that I probably didn't previously laugh at, and this time around I didn't laugh at the parts that maybe a younger, more immature Aaron. But but then that being said, 
When you were a kid, how many people didn't bend over and start talking through the butt cheeks Obviously, after that scene? That's true. That was yeah. hilarious. That was that's kid comedy right there. Do you know the sign that you're getting older is that at the beginning of the film you signed with the landlord? It's like, hey, she need to pay him. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. you need to leave. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also no pets, mate. And I'm be exactly. honest, quite a few pets. And also a penguin. I don't think that's the acclimatised yeah. place to have a penguin. <laughs> so, you know, when you're getting older, when you side with these people. No, I was like, who cleans up all the shit? They like, there would be a lot of animal feces in that apartment. I always liked how they hid. I thought it was very, um, I thought it was, you know, well put together. Because they always say don't work with animals and don't mm. work with pets. But the animals in this are, are brilliant. But again, I'm, I'm not a big fan. We mentioned, I was talking on the internet a few weeks ago about arachnophobia and how I think that film should be remade. When I say remade, don't mean remade. What I mean is arachnophobia, the actual fear of spiders, isn't done enough in film. So they shouldn't make re- arachnophobia that what I meant was spiders should be the focal point and people are saying oh giant CGI spiders I'm actually I'm actually alright with CGI animals I think CGI animals is the way to go mm. I don't believe you know I'm a big animal rights activist I, I don't think you can train them to do this sort of thing you know without some sort of negativity so I'm all for CGI animals but do you know what this film was the early 90s mm. you know eh what a film yeah it's, it, doesn't it, age well. it, it doesn't age well and do not know the point I was just making that <laughs> Just went on a rant. No, I, I agree with you though. What you were saying, I, I do agree with. I think sometimes if I if I see a certain scene with an animal where I'm like, oh, I can tell that's CGI, yeah. there's a part of my brain that flicks on straight away and says, well, good, because it, yeah. you know, uh, there's, <laughs> there's a long, we did an episode on animal uh, animals in we film did, exactly. and we did a very big emotive piece in that about animal rights in well, it. Just like to point out though, that this film, this is how much I hate Dan Marino. It's not because he was quarterback for the Marine Dolphin, Miami Dolphins. It's just because he's an arsehole. He gets outacted by fucking dolphin. He does. <laughs> and the dolphin seems to be able to, you know, use the football a bit better. So I think stick it on the field, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like Dan Marino. And the idea that he was in another fucking, he's just an arsehole, isn't he? What's his, Udo Kier, who's the who's like the millionaire that they go to. Oh, all right. Um, he well, he pops up in movies every now and again, doesn't he? And you're like, God, he looks sinister. That's what he's there for, mate. Just to look sinister. Cameo from Cannibal Corpse in this movie. Yeah, yeah. What's that? that that's, that's the band. Oh, you know right, when he goes okay. to see his mate, who's like the uh, the marine activist. Oh, yes. And again, as a kid, I didn't understand what he was doing there about sending the sonar to to a yes. uh, to a whaling fleet so that they goes, not attacking a pod. He goes to a he goes to a, a concert, doesn't he? And then mm. goes in the back to to his friend. Yeah, yes, yeah. Cannibal Corpse with the band playing oh. in the program. Is are they, are they good? What's the point? I wouldn't know. <laughs> oh, mate, Courtney Cox is in it. Courtney Cox is in it. And do you want she to write it? Yeah, yeah. Good yeah. for you, Courtney Cox. Good for you. <laughs> you've done you've done films. Right then, what's your final film? Mate, I've got quite a lot. Can I just like sum this up mm. very quickly? Um, I've had a career change lately, so I've got, free, got a bit of free time. And in this time, I've watched a South Korean survival series on Netflix called Squid Game. Don't tell me anything about it because I want to watch it. Um, Lucifer, it had its final season and now the final season on Netflix crime comedy based on a DC comic book of the same name. Um, I actually think it was a testament to a final episode. Now, I'm not saying the final series was great and to be honest... Lucifer is not the best TV series ever. It's, you know, it's Lucifer, the devil solving crimes. It's good. It's quirky. It does what it does. You don't need to think about it. Mm. However, the final series wasn't actually that good. However, the final 30 minutes of the final episode, that's how you, that's how you end the TV series. I think they ended that superbly. They did just enough to make you wonder what if, but at the same time rounded everything up. It was actually a testament on how to write uh, final episodes. Well done, the writers of Lucifer. They ended something after six episodes, uh, six seasons. That's a pretty good thing. Cool. Um, 
for the first time this week, I saw the Iron Giant. Oh, mate. Never well seen, done. Never seen it before. Um, I, can I just say that one of my favourite assholes in film is Agent Kent Mansley. There is a scene where he's harassing Hogarth, the young kid who knows who the Iron Giant is. So this is my little synopsis of it. During the Cold War, a giant metal man falls, falls, falls from the sky. His mission, family, or die trying. He meets Hogarth, a nine-year-old, and the two become friends, possibly even family. Meanwhile, US agent Kent Mansley comes to town to track the giant metal menace and quickly realises Hogarth is hiding something, so he moves into the family home. It's an animated family film for families about families family. That's all a joke because Vin Diesel voices. Vin Diesel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when people go on about group, mate, this is the, this is the voice acting we want it. <laughs> Harry Connick Jr. is in it, Jennifer Anderson, John Mahoney's in it. Yeah, he plays. Do you know what? That was the most distinctive voice. I've, but this is what really made me sad. As soon as he spoke, I went, oh, that's Frazier's dad. Yeah, same <laughs> with um, M- Emmett Walsh, isn't it? He's got, again, one of them distinctive southern draws about his voice. Um, and so, do you know what? It was actually really good, great animated fun. And it was fantastic to watch. Do you know what? I think that is quite well. I loved it. Predictable ending. But do you know what? It gave birth to Kent Mansley, mate. And I'm, I'd never realised that scene of him harassing Hogarth this what are you up to? What are you up to? What are you up to? It's a very funny few minutes. I really enjoyed it. I also watched Papillion with Charlie Hunman. He stars as Henry Carey, nicknamed the Butterfly, who was imprisoned in 1933 on notorious Devil's Island. The film chronicles his time in prison and his close friendship with Louis Dega, played by Rami Malek. I nearly watched this the other day. So it's based on an actual film. The problem is it's, it's a remake of a film that stars like Dustin Hoffman and uh, the guy from Bullet, Steve McQueen. Mm. So it's got, mate, I'm not being funny. I like Charlie Hunnam. I like Rami Malek. You are not at their level yet. So your film is always going to be pans. Um, do you know what I'm going to tell you? I'm going to tell you that that film is dusty, mate. <laughs> that, that film is so good where it's set in like this, in South America, it's a French colony where they send all their penal uh, uh, criminals. And then once they're out there, they're forced to, they're basically pushing them out of the country, go here, set up this colony and then live there. Mm. like your band from France. It's, set, it's based on a true story, based on a book that um, Henry wrote after he famously escaped the prison. That's no spoilers. That's, that's, the, that's like the famous thing that happened here. Is it an okay film? It's okay. Mm. It, it doesn't, it's about prison, about two people trying to escape. It's not the great escape. It's not, you know. I was going to say, when the tagline Africa, of this movie is the greatest escape adventure ever told, and you're like, there is literally a movie called The Great Escape. Yeah, exactly, which was cool. <laughs> As a, escape from Victory. Escape from Victory, <laughs> I was about to say, is the top of the list. I'm like, I'm, when we do an episode on escapes. <laughs> that, that film could fall under many categories. Football, yep. it could fall under escape movies, it could fall under Nazis. It could fall under, did you know Pelly was in this? <laughs> it could fall under, yeah, cameos. It could fall under Stallone's best work. It, could, it genuinely could. They, it, they, could it could also fall under, does Michael Caine age? <laughs> there is that moment in that movie where, I love it, where Kate, we're, um, where Sylvester Stallone plays in goal because I, I think it was quicker to teach Stallone dialogue than it is to how to dribble a football convincingly, yep. which is no nothing against Stallone, but like when you've got people like Pele and these other people in the movie and people that maybe grew up playing football, it's a lot easier. But there is that movie where he tackles someone. It's like, oh, yeah, what, what are you doing? And like, it's not American. It's like, like to, it just, it's really cringe. I fucking love it. It is bollocks, isn't it? I love that movie. That, right, escape movies go that. Escape from Alcatraz with Clint Eastwood is number two because anyone who believes that that paper mache head was real is <laughs> fucking on drugs. And that's probably Shawshank I was after say that. Shawshank, which is a rip-off of Escape from Alcatraz. <laughs> yeah. So then, uh, but I don't know. I like a good prison break slash prison movie. It's not enough, in it? 
There's, do you know what Charlie Hunnam does? An okay job of holding that. Now, Charlie, Charlie Hunnam will always be one of those people that everyone loves, except for me, because I just think there's a little bit. His greatest work was in Sons of Anarchy, and I still think he's quite possibly one of the weakest characters in it. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm still not a massive fan. Oh, that's right, because I was, that's what I was trying to skip around. I'm not. And, and, but that's nothing against him. I just don't think, I'll never forgive him for Green Street. Mm. <laughs> I'll never forgive you. Charlie Hunnam's like Tom Hardy, like coming up the ranks from, you know, when you see like early footage of him on Biker Grove or like modeling yeah. and stuff, and you think, how did you become an actor? Like, I'm glad you did because Hardy's done loads of great work, but it's not like they came with the ranks of like theater and stuff. And I've never really got it, got the fascination with him. Like he, he, he's funny. I've seen him on interviews. He seems really charismatic, charming, but I don't know. I just, you know, and I like movies like The Gentleman. Well, I didn't like that movie, but I certainly liked Do him and that, Hugh Grant in that I movie. I'd like to point out that film has actually grown on me. I've re-seen really that a few times. That film's not as bad as I made out, but at yeah. the same time, I don't believe you can make billions and billions from selling marijuana. <laughs> anyway. Who knows? Um, exactly. But it's just not weak. It's just not strong. It's quite weak. It does a very good job. The best thing about it is the sets and the designs because I was really thirsty watching this film. <laughs> it's dusty. However, the film I want to talk about, but luckily I won't be talking about it that much, is on Amazon. And did you know I didn't actually know about its existence until it appeared on the randomizer? And it's a perfect time to talk about it because soon, in December, we will get season two of The Witcher. So how about to whet the appetite now and get yourself ready, because this character is appearing in season two, one an animated story, a beautiful animated um, kind of Korean sharp, crisp image, The Witcher, Nightmare of the Wolf, the story of Vesemir, the famous mentor of Geralt of Rivia. It shows a different era. You know, it tells a different story that, you know, you don't need to know any knowledge, mate. Shows how witches are made. It shows how Vesemir joined the witches, how, how he's like, he's basically, a, he's basically a Deadpool, mate. He's an arsehole. You know, he, the characters are well-written, driven. The storyline's brutal. It's really horrible to watch. It's that sort of art style, which is quite welcoming, but, uh, but like visceral. Mm. Like, you know, a guts will... And the best thing about this is, when you make a live-action Witcher series, you are limited by technology. Some of the monsters in the game, I'm going to talk about Witcher 2 and Witcher 3, the, the models of the, of the things that you fight, the monsters, are beggars belief they're so brilliant they're limited in what they can do in the tv series because obviously computer generation with animation you can do so much more mm. and he fights at like i think a street or something and do you know what it looks beautiful it looks so eerie it looks it when it comes on screen you're genuinely like well fuck me that's terrifying which is why i think when you look at some other animation like attack on titan attack of yeah. titans like that is one where as much as I want to see a live action movie of that, and there could be, I could, I could, I might be a Korean one. Yeah, yeah. That works really well on, in animation because the fear of it transcribing to, you know, real life and effects might not have to pay off that animation can. But this film, 84 minutes, mate, 84 minutes, mm. very good animation, good storyline, well voice acted. It's, it's delightful. And like I say, it's going to be a nice uh, gateway into, into a character you're going to find out about in the second series. Because Vesemir is like the, fa he is the head of the witches during Geralt's time. So how's he coming into the next one? Do you know? Uh, basically, Geralt's just going back to Kaer Morgan. It, it, I've seen, I've seen the cast list. And my favourite actor from Game of Thrones, old uh, Giants Bane, he's in it. Even though he plays a half horseman or pigman. He plays a half pigman. Anyway, some spoilers for season two. But it was really good for 84 minutes. I was, I was, I was, I've got a problem with anime. I find anime fandom really hard to get into so this type of because i feel it's quite you have to 
have to prove yourself. If you say you like anime, people are like, well, have you watched this? I think it's one of the most, I don't know. It's not toxic. It's hard to get into. Like it's very hard to have opinions on things. This isn't anime, but it's art style is beautiful, which would make, it's so engrossing that would make you want to go see other films with this kind of art style. Mm. So it's, I really liked it. I had fun. I liked the characters. I liked the story. The storyline doesn't hold your hand. It's, it's quite brutal. It's a different storyline as well. Like not different, but it's a story that you don't have to, if you've not seen The Witcher season one, it doesn't matter. It's 84 minutes of, of a story. It's got nods. Like it's got beautiful nods to things that if you play the games or watch the books, you'll understand. If you've not done them, it doesn't matter. It doesn't affect the storyline at all. That's clever. So that's obviously made by people that love the source material. Well, um, I, I, my understanding is when I was doing a bit of research, did you know something big happened this week? And Netflix have got a golden handshake, golden envelope, and they've got all the rights to um, Lothar's work. I did hear this. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know just if th- We were just talking about a Willy Wonka Chocolate Factory series. Yeah, and now and they've universe. got the option to do it. And I was just thinking, when I heard that, I was like, that's going to be brilliant. Maybe I'll finally get my Twits film. That's all I've ever wanted since like the age of three. It's what I want. So I'm really looking forward. And I think they must own quite a lot of Witcher stuff because this is there's they've got more animated films planned. So I don't know if they've got all the Witcher stuff. They own that as well as the rights to... But you know what? It was, it was, it was, that was the one I would recommend of them all. A4 is a bit gory, but animated gory. Yeah. That sounds good. That's, I'll probably watch that ahead of Witcher 2. Because I, as I said before, I watched Witcher 1, didn't really get into it, rewatched it, you know, after listening to so many people talk about it and certainly found it better the second time around. Yeah. Trying to follow it a bit bit more kind of closely. Um, yeah, the, the Royal Dahl thing is really fascinating because that is a play box, you know, that, that, so we, that. you just get into. Because you're right, you can do all them, you can have a shared universe of different decades and timelines, but have that influence. You know, you could have... You know the uh, the witches where you know on right. on the way to the hotel you've got to meet in a Wonka bar. You know you you can really infuse those Essos trot, mate. Let's have that. Mate. I know we've had it with Dustin Hoffman, but come on, mate. It, it, the door is open, mm. and Netflix need to. You know what? If you're going to lose your Marvel franchise and you've lost Daredevil and you've lost, I don't know the rest of them, Iron Fist, whatever, <laughs> mate. You have got me as a 35 year old. If you start making like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory TV mm. series. Go away from the books a little bit. I don't mind that. I want to, mate, if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. I want to see a vicious kid. It's all mm. I want in life. And I want to see an actual one, not that horse. And someone messaged me. They were like, it's in, it's in Tim Burns. Horse shit. That doesn't count. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. I nearly rewatched that as well the other week Why? to think if it is, it was as, was it as bad as I thought it was? Yes. And then hovering over, I was like, it, it was, let's be honest. <laughs> I don't need validation. I know it was. It was horse shit. Um, God, loads of films then to recommend this week. We, just, yeah. we, we must have talked about 10 different things there for people to go watch and, yeah, exactly. and explore, revisit, or or discover for the first time. So, you know, free podcast, there you go. Well, yeah. You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. And we didn't compare anything to food this week. You're welcome. <laughs> we Next mentioned Smorgasbord quite a few times. <laughs> I remember now what my point was going to be. Maybe the last few minutes we can we can bring this up because we're on about an hour 20. So a bit of time to fill. Oh, yeah. um, my reason for bringing True Detective, uh, True Detective, Pet Detective, or, uh, Ace Ventura was the Jim Carrey conversation. Okay. Now, obviously, Jim Carrey's, I think his more dramatic performances are some of the best. You know, I think, you know, anyone who says that Jim Carrey can't act, well, you know, I'll say Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Minds, you know, even films like Number 23, you know, the, the Andy Kaufman, Man on the Moon film. Um, you know, of course, Truman Show yeah. is, a, is a masterpiece. But then you get the 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 rubber face stuff, you know, and I, I use that terminology based on, you know, what he's known as and what he self-defines as is, 
you know, The Mask, yeah, true uh, pet detective, you know, yeah. Dumb and Dumber, these kind of films. Mm. And I don't know, I just, I thought we've done all these um, conversations on like Arnold Schwarzenegger, we've done Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Amy, uh, Amy Adams, that kind of stuff. You know, what is your go-to Jim Carrey when you were a kid? And what is your go-to Jim Carrey now if you were to watch? Do you know what, if I was... I can't remember when it came out, but I remember when The Mask came out, but I don't... Because obviously The Mask is famous for being the first film to use CGI for comedy. It was it was the first comedy that used CGI to show that it could be used in other films, couldn't it? It was also the movie that's famous for being one thing and then the studio turning it into another. It was supposed to be a very dark... Yes. The Mask was meant to bring out a very vicious well, the, side of a character who well, was otherwise nice and humble. The comic book is based on is very brutal. Like, it's very horrible because I've, I've, I remember reading a dissertation from someone who would basically... I don't know why. Might, not a dissertation, maybe uh, just a report. And it's based on, like, he dies at the end of the first one. You know, every wearer of the mask dies because Loki is not a good character. Um... Maybe the mask when it first started because it was different, you know, like the heart beating out of the chest. He turns himself into a wolf to howl, jumping around. It was wank. It was crazy. You know, as a kid, it's so, you know, it caught the eyes. However, I don't think I was a kid when it came out. I think I was like an early teenager. So I would have to say it's Ventura, but the second one. That Thanks was cause. That was my That was when I turned 14, I'll never forget it. Around that age, I saw the Truman Show and that blew mm. my mind. Because we've all been there where you think you're in a secret world. And I was convinced. And I think Truman Show. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think, I think Truman Show is, is certainly the one I've seen the most and, the, and certainly the one I would go back to the it's most. The one I'd recommend. If, if you've never seen a Jim Carrey film, whilst he might be famous for a slapstick over-the-top style, Truman Show displays the best of him. Yeah. I watch, you know, and, and the thing is, I think when you're younger and you get swept up in Jim Carrey's like mania and, you know, the the comedic over the top performances. When you then watch something like the cable guy, you're like, when's he going to do something funny? And you maybe don't appreciate his more dramatic parts. If I had to go back and rewatch one film now and never seen it before, it would be the cable guy. Mm. Because what you always forget about the cable guy is it's not a comedy, is it? Parts of it dark comedy, but it's not about comedy. It's about obsession. And everyone says Jim Carrey was trying to darker side of acting, but it's not. The three main characters are Ben Stiller, aren't they? Or is it, no, it's... Ben Stiller's the director oh, and he, he cameos as the murder twins on this TV. It's not, it's... Uh, Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick. And I was going to say, isn't Jack Black his friend? Yeah, uh, Matthew Broderick's friend, yeah. And, and and so you've got three mostly comedic characters. However, I would not, I would not piss on Matthew Broderick if he was on fire. So I hate mm. that man. So that, if I could watch anything without bias for the first time, it would probably be The Cable Guy because I think that film might be better because when we all watched it, we were like, When's the funny guy going to do something funny? Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm really from Truman Show onwards. Maybe the cable guy was the, you know, cable guy. Then you got Lie Liar, which, you know, was great. Oh, do you know what? Actually, do you know what? Maybe Lie Liar was the go-to. I think I watched that all the time. Because that film's still funny today, mate. Oh, the claw's going to get here. I know Mm. that's not his line, but still that's funny. (laughs) Isn't that? uh, Is Carrie? Carrie Ellis. Yeah. And it's got... The claw's going to get here. It's got... um, we mentioned her the other day in the report. Roy Terry. Yeah, I haven't seen her in a while. And then when she pops up in that movie, I was like, liar, liar. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I like liar, liar as well. Because if you watch it closely at the end, at the um, Jim Carrey cameos is a fireman in the background. And uh, and he just looks at the camera like smiling. And it's it's quite funny, actually. But um, yeah, I loved all these movies. But for me, like things like um, Man on the Moon, Me, Myself and Irene, 
even the Grinch, I'll be honest. I, I watch like it. I watch every year. I watch every year, mate. I don't like the Grinch. I don't like me, myself, and Irene. I do you remember I really hated when people went, oh, thing he's gone back to basics when Bruce Almighty came out. He went, oh, he's, he's back with a with a plum. And I was like, I don't think that's fair because I thought he'd actually outgrown that. When Bruce Almighty came out, I actually felt a bit sorry for Jim Crow because I was like, no, because I think he just, I think the film I'd seen literally just before it came out was I might have seen Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind for the first time. And I was like, indie wheelhouse, you know, comedy, that's where you belong. You belong in like the coffee shops, not in the fucking supermarkets. I, I, I hate, I'll be honest, Bruce Almighty is a funny film, but I hate it. Bruce Almighty, I, I, every time I watch it, is funny and entertaining to a point. Yeah. And then when he has to, like, you know, the whole like interacting with God scene, first kind of discovering that he's got these powers for X amount of time, you know, that and what and he does what any man would do, you know, with it. Um I, I think there there is a joy to it, but then the, the, the film hits like the emotional anchor. It's like, okay, but now we've got to tell a story in here. I yeah. kind of lose track of it a little bit. Yeah, the, the funniest parts of the bits that are, is like... Uh, the montage more kind of scenes, you know. The scene with um, Carell. It's like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That funny as hell. But at the same time, as soon as they add a story element where it's like, Grace is praying for him every night. Couldn't give a toss. Yeah, I, I, was, I was a fan of um, series of unfortunate events for the art style I you know I thought I, I laughed a lot of that in the movies when I went to see that at the cinema I did see it I don't I didn't the TV series I haven't seen the TV series but I know someone who's had the TV series did a better job because it has more time to tell the story yeah well that's the same with most TV yeah. series isn't it you get more time to delve into it and, but didn't but, they do I'm sure there's three books crammed into one film which is why yeah, the, I, which is why it feels overblown he was great as Olaf Olaf mm. um, that was that was characters and Count Olaf that was pretty cool but at the same time I just kind of knew when I was watching it, you'd never find out the end of that story. Mm. I did laugh though when he starts to impersonate other different characters. But, but as a kid, you, you're like, oh, he's, he's kind of all off. You can tell, you know, because that beard that he's put on his face is just peeling away a little bit. But I, I found it quite sinister, quite dark in places, hilariously funny. Um, you know, but a very, like you say, Louis Snicket's kind of storyline about trying to cheat out a load of kids of their inheritance. It's, it's quite, it, you know. But then movies like number 23 that come out, and then this is where he goes into that Gerald Butler territory of of like serious film, rom-com, serious film. In this case with Jim Curry, it's like indie dark movie and then back to my wheelhouse because he skips between movies like Yes Man, I Love You, Philip Morris, you know, Number 23, Fun With Dick and Jane, kind of bouncing between the two. Always kind of saying, look, I'm still the traditional Jim Curry, but I'm also experimenting with different things. Yeah, I mean, Yes Man, I, I, I really liked. I really kind of fell in love with that movie. Um, not, not, not because it was anything outstanding. The one for me that on paper should have been hilarious, but I really struggled with was the incredible Burt Wonderstrom. That to me was like, how can this not be funny? You've got the Las Vegas magician in Steve Carell's character. And then you've got the new and up and coming street magician, the David Blaine, the extreme magician in Jim Carrey. That to me was like, this, that film has to be a home run and it really didn't deliver on the level what? I wanted it to. I actually completely forgot that film existed. If we were most, if we were listening to how the most disappointment you've ever been at a film, it would be that film. Yeah. Because I was with you, sprinkling Olivia Wilde, mate. How could that film go wrong? Mm. How, Just did not like, deliver the comedy. That, oh, that was fucking awful. The best bit at the end, the best bit is the end when when the stream, you know, when when uh, Jim Curry's character does the nail in the head trick that goes wrong. And it's like, that's the perfect ending to that character. <laughs> Because there is a part of everyone that's like, I fucking wish that street magician just tripped up or something. Um, you know, and then coming back to the movies like Dumb and Dumber 2. Awful decision. Never go back. It's never worked. It's never worked. Bill and Ted 3. Never worked. If if the audience hasn't been there for the last 20 years, 
nostalgia is not going to make you write a better script. Mm. It's not. I remember watching it. And I'll tell you what, film ages terribly. Dumb and Dumber, the first one. I yeah, well, I, I hate I, I, that I skipped, film. I skipped through that because I thought if Ace Ventura had done age well, maybe Dumb and Dumber doesn't. I, I hated that film. I remember we were talking about it back in the day and we were in a different location and I had a disagreement with, I think we had a guest on that week and I was mm. like, no, it ages terribly. It's bollocks. Going back to that film, there was one of those times where I was like, no, I'm, I'm, I know it's going to be crap. I've never seen it because mm. I'm well aware of how crap it's going to be. There's a great Jeff Daniels interview where he talks about having to do Dumb and Dumber in the same year as Speed and just saying <laughs> like the difference in what he had to bring to those uh, those films. I still think that when Dumb and Dumber 2 came out, he was still writing the critically acclaimed, he starring the newsroom. So, <laughs> so that was also another shit year for him. Yeah. No, but, sorry, not shit, a weird year. But you know, the um, Bad Batch was a cool indie film in that. You know, played the kind of the traveling wasteland artist, unrecognizable with Jim Carrey. I think if you didn't know it was him, you'd, you'd, you'd struggle. Um, Dark Titan Crimes, which is that that Polish um, murder mm. mystery one, which is which was just a bit crap. Kind of tried to go down like an eight millimeter feel to it, It'd be dark and dingy, and it, it didn't deliver. Sonic the Hedgehog, though, mate, it's Doctor Robotnik. That is a good casting, which brings me to: Have you heard that they cast Mario? In the oh, live action Mario movie. It's not live action, it's animated. Sorry, yeah, in the animated, yeah. Yeah, I don't think you can do much wrong with Chris Pratt. However, I'm well aware that Chris Pratt isn't an Italian-American. Also, I know that Charlie Day is not an Italian-American who's going to be playing Luigi. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be odd, isn't it? It's going to be odd, but at the same time, I want to know what they're... Are they going to do 3D generated or are they going to do 2D animated? I assume they're going to do 3D animated, but to me, then, if they're going to do that, then why don't you just play the game? <laughs> I'll be honest, I'll be honest, mate. Detective Pikachu had no right to be as fun as it was. Sonic the Hedgehog had no right to be as fun as it was. So actually, I suppose in many ways, I'm kind of thinking, well, yeah, this is going to work. It's, we all come leaps and bounds from the Resident Evil movies and, you know, the uh, Pixels and all those other kind of video game inspired movies. Mortal Kombat, mate, I'm going to put it in there. Street no, Fighter. No, Mortal Kombat, you're always forgiven, mate, because it's a good film. The new one, that's, sh- well, we haven't ever talked about that on this film. On this podcast, and that's crap, by the way. I'll watch it at some point. I love the 97 version. I will not let you take 97 Mortal Kombat away from me. It's a good film. Uh, Die on that hill, mate. I will die on that hill, but luckily I'll have lots of people to back me up. (laughs) Maybe, please. What about Street Fighter? It's a shit film. (laughs) Ain't no one dying on that hill. (laughs) Right. Jim Carrey. Yeah, I just thought, I just thought he's, he's a, he's a, so 95, I'm sorry, I was just Googling as well. More Combat was 95. I wanted to correct you when you said 97, but I thought, don't, because I just look like an arsehole oh, again. was 97 when the sequel came out? <laughs> yeah, Annihilation. No, I, I don't know. Uh, I yeah, it was, was yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just got them confused, man. Follows us. Yeah, it's all right. They're both bad. No, we're not. Like, do you want? <laughs> enjoy yeah, no, doing, enjoy I, doing this next week on your own. <laughs> I just wanted to, to uh, yeah, to, to, to think. Jim Carrey, it's like was my go-to actor, I suppose. He's just, you know, growing up. And and I do still like the guy and I still, you know, like TV shows like Kidding, I, I thought was really good. You know, I think in that he plays like Mr. Pickle. It, it, you know, it's, it's perfect Jim Carrey casting. And when he hits it right, he does hit a home run, but... I think my opinion of him, him himself has been diminished because I remember when he did that interview post Kick-Ass 2, we said it's... It was like, that's too much violence. I was like, but you signed up for it. I mean, you as an actor must have known how violent it was. You don't sign up for a sequel, surely, without not knowing what the first one was. I think it was because also there was a school shooting or, or there was a, there was an incident at the time, and that's why he didn't do the promo, because it was, oh, he right. said at the time 
it was bad publicity for it was well, bad it taste to go out and promote oh, a violent then, movie in the wake of a violent act. Well, if that's true, then I feel like an idiot. Like, but he did no, no, right sorry, it is, he did but that's right why thing, that's, that's why we conversate, James, because we learn and we evolve and we develop as human beings, isn't it? More combat's better. <laughs> that's our show for this week. Next week, next week's a big one. We've decided to take on a juggernaut, if you will, uh, but do it backwards because it's easier. <laughs> now we're talking James Bond. We are talking Bond in the in the in the. As a backup plan, if I don't get a chance to get to go see the new movie, because I know you're going tonight at midnight. I am. If I don't like get a chance to hours. see it as a backup, I've got another idea. Okay. Hit me with your rhythm idea. The Matrix trilogy. In preparation for number four. <sighs> we, we If we don't do Bond this week, we will definitely do it next week. I'm just saying, if I don't get a chance to watch it, would you have time to watch the Matrix films as well? Well, I'm unemployed in a minute, so yes. <laughs> so... Because I've already watched one of them, so <laughs> so so I'm, so I'm on the way. Um, Did you watch the good one? The first one. Oh, this is because you saw that ill now. Do you know what we call? If you get a chance to go on YouTube, watch some of the Animatrix. Don't watch them all, but they were they were like as I recall, there's four Animatrix. were fucking phenomenal. Mm. And Star Wars Visions actually, it's just come out, isn't it? On oh, is it? Disney. Have you noticed they've announced another Star Wars Disney TV series based on Boba Fett this time? Yeah, it was the spin-off uh, that was that happened at the end of. Mandalorian. But for the record, I don't have Disney Plus. So I haven't seen it. So I didn't oh know that. Uh, no! At the end of the Mandalorian, the the post credit scene of season two was Boba Fett turning up to Jabba's palace, sitting on the throne, and then it said across the bottom, Boba Fett will return oh. in the Book of Fett. Oh, why is that? Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah. So it's, oh, I didn't uh, have a clue. I've never seen it. Never seen Mandalorian. No. Oh, big spoiler, mate. Boba Fett didn't die. <laughs> he didn't die in the uh, in the what's it in, in the, the Snarlax pit. pit. So Got climbed out. So when this stuff can survive the pit. Apparently. So maybe we should put them somewhere else than all these bad movies. <laughs> yeah, well, Abbas Oliver ain't climbing out, is he? <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he survived, mate, in Mandalorian. And then uh, there's a whole storyline about him going and getting his armour back and Timothy Oliphant's got it. And he's... Pra- yeah, he's, like he's I've missed out on so much. Mate, you have. Mandalorian <laughs> season two is wicked. I'll tell you, I'll tell you another reason why it's wicked. Taika Waititi is, is in it um, as IG-33, yeah. who is in half a second of um, Empire Strikes Back. You know the famous scene where they kind of like look at the lineup of bounty hunters, and he said yeah. there's like this Bosk, and then uh, there's Boba Fett. The introduction of Boba Fett in that scene, and he sends him off to go uh, get Han Solo or whatever. Um, IG Fit Free is like the assassin in the background that just gets like half a scene, and they give him a whole storyline in the Mandalorian. And then Taika Titi directs a se- episode in season two, and, it, and it's you can tell it's Taika Titi's because there's this scene where there's two stormtroopers just stood there trying to shoot a rock and they keep missing. <laughs> and it's just so, it's so funny. It, like subtly funny, but it's, it's brilliant, mate. That second season of Mandalorian, binge it, man. It's okay, got loads maybe. of good stuff in it. Maybe. I do have a friend that's got a Disney Plus account because that's how I was able to see Loki. I've been telling you to watch, like you can have mine. I've got free, free. So you're not Disney listening, Disney wherever. No, I'm allowed to give it to free people. You oh, have okay. free accounts. Well, thank you, you, Disney. Uh, it's like Netflix. You can give it to two people, can't you? Can Share you? it. Don't tell my parents that. I made them pay for their own. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I'll give you access to my Disney to watch Mandalorian and binge it because it is definitely worth binging. No, I've got a lot of free time on my hands, doing it? Over One series is coming out, mate. Ah, that's the one. We're digressing. We've done this episode. <laughs> We're finished. Let's just... We don't need to fill any more time. We've done no so, right now. So possibly next week, either the first look at what will be a series of different episodes where we focus on different bonds. I imagine that we'll do Dalton and the one who only did one off in their own quick one. Yeah. Uh, but we'll the plan is to do Brosnan, 
Oh, sorry, start off. Who is it now? <laughs> we'll do we'll do Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. But we'll, Brosnan. We'll, we'll, uh, not not in consecutive weeks, but over the course yeah. of the next like year or so, months, we'll do like. Connery. We'll do the different incarnations, the Roger Moore ones. And we'll, and then you know so. And Start if, looking and, at Bond movies because they're fun, aren't they? they? They're good to unpick. Well, we, you and I have always wanted to, but do you remember we had some guests on and they'd never wanted to watch like, some, and like he's 20 a lot, movies? He's a long slog <laughs> to watch like 20 fucking however many it is. Yeah. The, um, but yeah, if I don't get a chance to watch this and revisit some of the Daniel Craig stuff, the Matrix, what I really like as well is someone might listen to this and then go straight to next week's episode if they're a new listener. And it, I just I really love it. The next week episode started with like, hello and welcome. So this week, Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> it's just typical us. I kind of want to do that. Now. <laughs> uh cool matrix or james bond next so if you don't see you later thank you so much for downloading this episode don't forget to like and subscribe leave us a review leave us a comment reach out on social media everyone that does thank you so much we are crap on social media do i'm sorry that we don't always respond to some people when they write in so um but you really really appreciate it do leave us that review i can't stress that enough and do share it really 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 does help it gives us reason and purpose james is unemployed at the minute this is all he's got going for him <laughs> and i still don't do social media <laughs> <laughs> so if i don't see you later good afternoon good evening good night goodbye